I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, where we will help you learn to invest in 15 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Uh, no poem for us this time. No poem, no. I was under a bit of creative stress this week, so I haven't been able to uh, come up with something new, but uh, don't let it... Uh, make you think that there's not not going to be anything uh in in the track down in the near future <laughs> oh, right okay okay <laughs> I'm, i've been working on something so yeah yeah and investing uh rap <laughs> <laughs> this, is not, this is not a karaoke show <laughs> all right well What's i look happening? i look forward to that maybe it can be our christmas special not bad yeah okay a christmas rap i yeah. can do that <laughs> Oh, oh no. if people have, if people have just started listening to us after our live show, they would be wondering what's going on. Yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> don't let this be a, an indication of uh, past performance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Melbourne got hammered. Yeah, they did, and Richmond did as well. Yeah, two finals games that weren't uh, weren't so exciting. Oh well, I actually had really enjoyed the Collingwood Richmond game, but. Um, and one of our listeners actually goes for West Coast. I know that we've been chatting to over the last few weeks, so he'll be incredibly excited. But what do you think? What are your thoughts on a West Coast Collingwood Grand Final? Yeah, I, I mean, I was hoping that West Coast would ruin this Melbourne love-in that we had going, and not, wow. not just not just Melbourne Demons, but you know, like Richmond, Collingwood, Melbourne, all these big historic Melbourne clubs, and, and me living down in Melbourne but supporting an interstate team. There's a lot of there's a lot of this is how footy should be chat yeah, down here. Yeah. You know, yeah, like Melbourne, Collingwood and Richmond all training at public grounds within ten kilometers of each other. Yeah. It's not the Melbourne Football League. It's the Australian Football League. So uh, I'm loving West Coast ruining the, the Melbourne loving. Interesting. Yeah, well that's probably you go for Swans as well, so that's why you're not a Victorian yeah. fanboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Who are you going for? I've got to be going for the oh, I don't know. I don't really like the pies. I don't like it in Maguire, but I'm going to have, I think I'm going to go for the pies. Um, I just don't think West Coast perform well in grand finals, unfortunately, other than the series they had against the Swans. But the last few times they've, (laughs) the last few times they've played at the G, they've just, uh, haven't really put up a good fight. So I think that's the main thing. I'm going to be barracking for a good game. Yeah. Um, the eventual outcome. We, we were talking about last night that Adam Simpson in his, what, four or five years of coaching will now, has now made two grand finals. And, you know, a team, team that no one really rated. And mm. maybe one of the only teams to lose two Brownlow medalists and actually get better, West Coast. What, Mitchell and Prittis? Mitchell and Prittis, yeah. You reckon they've got better? Well, they made a grand final with Prittis in there, didn't they? Uh, yes, with Prittis, but not when Mitchell came over. True, and true. then And then, you know, there's the open question, like, imagine if they had Nick Nat and Andrew Gaffer. I know, last I know. Yeah. Damn. Anyway, this isn't a footy yeah. podcast. That might be a, a spin-off at some point. <laughs> true, true. All right, well, uh, moving on. So this week, Ren, we're going to be doing... We, we said last week that we would uh, name this episode Bryce Surprises Ren. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yes. So we've, got to, we've got to stick with that. Yeah, so I really threw you under the bus there. <laughs> you did. So I've got a surprise for you. Okay. And then And then we'll um, have a chat about a couple of things we've been looking at, a couple of stocks we've been looking at over the last few weeks. We didn't have a chance to discuss it in our last episode. So that's what we're going to focus on this week. But before we do, we need to give a shout out to Ed, who is one of our long-time listeners. Um, so thanks for listening, Ed. And he uh, he came along to our live show in Sydney um, with, his, with his girlfriend and uh, hopefully they had a good time. And and he's uh, actually runs a pretty – we found out that he runs a pretty funny business um, to do with hedge and tree removal. So I thought I'd just give it a shout-out. It's called Hedge Fund Managers, a bit of a play on hedge fund managers. And their slogan is, uh, we can't manage your portfolio, but we can manage your backyard. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> so shout-out to Ed, long-time listener. And look, um, r- word on the street, Ren, is that we're having a 100th episode p- party coming up very soon. So uh, hopefully Ed and the hedge fund crew can come along and join in. So... Shout out to you, Ed, and hedge fund managers. Yeah, nice. And if any other listeners have uh, investing pun named businesses, uh, yeah. give us a yell. Yeah. Feel free to uh, get in contact and we'll uh, we'll give you a shout out. If anyone does want some uh, hedge and tree remove services, <laughs> you know who to call. And this is not cash for comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ren, do you want to start with my surprise or do you want to start with... Um, Stocks. Well, why don't I start with what I was actually going to surprise you with last episode, which got delayed. Yep. Um, so, we were talking about things things we were looking at in the market, um, and I s- told you that I was looking at something that I thought would surprise you, but then we ran out of time. Okay, so, as you know, we're a very uh, anti-fee podcast. We hate we fees. We are... Uh, one of our main talking points is about minimizing the cost you can control. Yeah. So my recent pivot might may surprise you a little bit. So Uh-oh. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about the stage of the business cycle that we're in. You, know, yep. you constantly talk about how bearish you are, so you've you've slowly infected my mind with that okay. that negative thinking. <laughs> and also we from our beta shares live shows, I've been thinking a lot about the just the massive growth in ETFs, and obviously they've been the perfect investment vehicle for the last ten years. Mm-hmm. But now that we're reaching the end of the cycle, and I start, I'm starting to think about like what is the best way to hedge against a bit of the risk that yeah. that we see, and um, it's actually got me thinking a lot about active management again. Within your own portfolio, yeah, not not me actively managing. I mean, that's sort of just always a staple for a small section of what I am investing. But oh, you're going to go and put your money into a, a fund? Well, yeah. So okay, when you, when you think about it, you know, pre two thousand and eight, hedge funds were the the it sort of thing. Active management was all there was. Well, you know, it was a main part of the market, and then two thousand and eight hedge funds performed really badly. They didn't actually hedge against risk and they underperformed. Yeah. Uh, what we've seen in the post-JFC world is ETFs and passive investing and hedge funds have really underperformed and they've seen a lot of money taken out of them. But like in life and like in everything, uh, mean reversion happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we get to the end of the cycle, 
uh, passive investing vehicles like ETFs won't do as well. And so I'm, in a sense, chasing underperformance and hoping for mean reversion. And I, I think active management might be how I'm going to play the next couple of years. Okay, so let's talk through that then. So for those that have just joined the show and aren't quite sure what Ren is talking about, um, do you want to explain what you mean by active management? Yeah, so active management is when you give your money to a professional to invest on your behalf. Um, so you know, it's your, you think about the stereotypical, you know, like Wall Street movie where they're managing other people's money. Like that is what an active money manager does. They mm. invest on your behalf. Mm. And so, for context, the reason you you framed this at the start uh, in in terms of fees is because relative to uh, investing in uh, ETFs and that sort of stuff that are all very low cost. An active management approach is where you actually do have to pay fees to the fund manager, I guess. Um, so have you got any in mind that um, are tickling your fancy? Is there any any um, fund out there that you've considered and what's the fees? So I, I guess the, the first part of this was my thoughts shifting towards active management, thinking that they'll be able to hedge risk better yeah, yeah. But then the second thing is like, what are, what are the options? So I've started looking at, you know, the obvious ones are your private fund that isn't listed, you give money to. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there's also a bunch of LICs, listed investment companies. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they are the same essentially, but they you can buy and sell units of them on the stock exchange. So yep. as you do a company. And then there are also some active ETFs. So they're, okay. they're ETFs, but they're the... They, they actively manage the what's held in that ATF. So when I'm thinking about like what would happen if you know your chaos scenario happens and the market falls a lot quickly, mm-hmm. private funds and active ATFs, if people want to withdraw their money, like if there's another GFC, then that money gets taken away from the active manager to invest. But when you think about LICs, they they get all their capital up front and then... If you want to take your money out of that, if you want to sell your units in that LIC, you're not actually taking money away from the person who manages it. No, you're just swapping hands. Yeah, exactly. You're just buying and Mm. selling on the exchange. And so the Mm. share price might drop. But even if the share price drops to, you know, one cent, that doesn't actually affect the amount of capital that uh, the manager has to Yeah, their fund's under management. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think in terms of trying to think about an end of cycle and like what what that would look like i think i'm i've started looking at lic's yep in terms of which ones i i've had a look at some but i probably it's probably not it's probably this probably isn't the podcast for us to start giving recommendations in a sense you know the information is out there to do your own research if it's something you're interested in but that's I thought I thought you'd be maybe not interested, but surprised in uh, in my change of heart. I don't necessarily think that it's a a change of heart. I mean, it's still quite in line with you know the overall philosophy that you're not st- trying to pick stocks, so you're still putting it in the hands of someone else. So um, I'm just interested to know what sort of fee structure you're going to be willing to pay, um, and w- I'm I'm want to keep. Uh, track of this and see at you know at the end who you eventually go with and and what way it's going to be because 
obviously everyone is going to be different and the success of everyone's going to be different. So yeah, nice one, Ren. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, as always, we, we still are an anti-fee podcast. So mm. as part of this process for me, it will be, there'll be a lot of focus on minimizing my fees. Mm. I think um, more interesting for me is probably how some of these managers have performed in previous downturns and like, mm, mm. Is, is their strategy basically index hugging? So for people who are unfamiliar with the term, it's where you're paying active management fees, but the manager is basically just buying the biggest stocks on the market and is basically just getting market average returns. That yeah. That's something that you, we, no one should need to pay fees for because you can get market average returns a lot cheaper. Yeah. But for active managers who are out there doing something different and who can uh, perform well when times are tough, that's the kind of performance that is worth paying for. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, there's definitely ETFs out there that allow you to structure your portfolio to take advantage of sort of this end of cycle period. And, um, you know, we'll probably discuss this later because it was a question that came through from a listener. Um, But yeah, you're right. You don't want to be paying for managers who essentially you could have just bought an ETF and it performed the same way. Yeah. So yeah, in my, my gut feeling for that is you'd probably have to go off market though to get sort of decent decent returns because the LIC usually doesn't necessarily always reflect the performance of the fund manager itself. But if you want the actual performance of the fund manager, usually going offline is the off market is the way to go. Yeah, but then you get into the issue that I was talking about before with the drawdowns. Yeah. So yeah. if you go off market and the market tanks and people need to redeem their money in these off market funds because you know they need to cover their mortgage or because X, Y, and Z, they lost their job maybe and they need to cash in, whatever yeah. it is, in an economic downturn or a recession, when the opportunity is greatest for these investors is when they're seeing redemptions out of their fund they're seeing money leave their fund yeah so they're they're limited in in making the most of that opportunity whereas LICs and this is my thinking at the time by the next episode this might all have all changed as I do more (laughs) research but at this stage when you think about LICs their share price might fall but in terms of the taking advantage of the opportunity they're not seeing capital outflows leaving their business yeah obviously they might be losing money in the market if they're fully invested and so their net assets might go down yeah but they're not that's not happening and they're not getting redemptions at the same time as well yeah true interesting yeah so nice friend so are you going to re rejig your current portfolio then or is this going to be with new capital no this is going to be with new capital just because i yeah i i mean I've got a bunch in ETFs and I'm pretty satisfied to, and I think I have the temperament to just sit on that for yeah. a, a decade more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now that, you know, as I keep getting paid, I want to do something a little bit different and this is sort of where I'm thinking at the moment. Nice. Well, let's keep track of this because I think the process of you finding some LICs uh, and it'd be good to, will be good to track and also expose a lot of the differences between them that are out there because you know they're all they're all different and they all have different people managing and they all try and sell themselves in different ways so um let's keep track yeah nice one now this this episode was 
well, I think it still is going to be called uh, Bryce Surprises Ren. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so we can't uh, call it that and then not have you surprise me. So no. What have you got in store? Well, mate, I've just um, in doing some reading over the weekend and found a 10-question quiz on investing <laughs> instincts. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, Ren, we're going to test your investing instincts. I hope you're ready I, for this. I wasn't expecting that, I've got to say. So, hold on. Have you done this quiz yourself? Yeah, I've, I've done the quiz. How did you go? I got 8 out of 10. Oh, wow. But, okay. but it's very – it's some of the answers could be subjective. But, yeah, 8 like, out of 10. You're, you're, challenging the, you're challenging the question writers, are you? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. the, these are um, – it's just sort of like a what will you do – uh, and, uh, instinctual quiz. So let's kick it off. Oh, no. Question one: The stock market, the stock market takes a sudden dive. What should you do? A. Make sure you're well diversified. Then stand put. B. Move everything into cash and bonds. Uh, a. Correct. Next question. God, this is going to be harder than I thought. <laughs> the market has been in the dumps for months. What's the smartest move? A, put all your money out, pull all your money out. You don't want to lose any. Leave your accounts alone and stop making further contributions for now. Buy while stocks are cheap. Uh, C, buy while stops, stocks are cheap. Correct. Buy low, sell high. Next. Which of, the, <laughs> which of these investments offers you the most diversification? Gold, a company stock, a stock mutual fund, or a LIC? Uh, a stock mutual fund. Correct. They give you a variety in one package. So that's an American term, really. We don't really have mutual funds in Australia. Well, they're, they're just termed differently. Four, as an employee, your company allows you to buy shares of its stock at a 15% discount. Your employer also kicks in a match on your investment. A, sweet deal. Funnel as much money in there as you can. B, good deal, but be mindful of how much money you tie up in the company. C, bad deal. Steer clear of the offer altogether. Uh, this one, oh, I think I'm overthinking it. I think I'm going to say B. Correct. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. It says you shouldn't tie up more than 10 to 15% of your savings in one company, especially when that company is also your employer. Yeah, pretty, pretty good advice. Yeah. Ten, five, so-called dollar cost averaging, investing a fixed amount at set intervals over time is for A, suckers, B, smarties. <laughs> smarties. You, this is a smart <laughs> investment strategy, <laughs> something that we've spoken about. Six, you're invested in a particular fund for years and it's done fairly well. You receive notice that the fund manager's leaving and the new manager will change the way the fund invests. You stick with it after all. You have a history together. B, consider cutting it loose. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> subjective. Yeah, very subjective. Uh, I guess you would consider cutting it loose in the sense that you should always consider where you're invested. Exactly. These are two key signs you should reevaluate your investment, research the new manager's record, and ask yourself if the new style of investing fits with your overall portfolio plan. So two things you should consider when you're looking at LICs, Ren. Yeah. Number seven, tech stocks are hot. You change your allocation from 10% to 80% of your portfolio. <laughs> Smart move. What was I thinking? 
It depends. Is it 1998 or 2001? Ren, it's not one. <laughs> <laughs> um, you shouldn't do that. You should yeah, have 90% in tech stocks. <laughs> Chasing big returns is often a losing game because the good times don't last forever. Two to go. You're looking for a super safe place to stash your earnings savings. You turn to a diversified stock mutual fund, B, a bank CD, C, high-yield online savings account. Wait, sorry, I missed the question. You're looking for a what place? Super safe place to stash your earnings savings. Well, I mean, this comes down... So, as we talked about in our live show, if you're talking about safe as in not losing capital in the short term, then the bank. But if you're talking about safe in terms of beating inflation and, you know, all that, then... Uh, the stock market. But I'm going to say for the purposes of this, I think they want the bank as the answer. Correct. But I agree. It should... Yes. Uh, yeah. I think in terms of actual long-term risk, you're, you're taking a lot more risk getting subpar returns in a bank and seeing your money get inflated, the value of your money getting inflated away rather than putting it into the stock, stock market over a long period of time and letting it compound. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Is that one of the ones that you got wrong? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, at least we're on the same page about that. Same page, yeah. So, hopefully everyone playing along is also on 8 out of 10. So, question 9. You've always invested for the long term, keeping about 90% of your money in stocks, but you plan to retire within the next few years. What should you do with your investments? A, leave them alone. B, start dialing down your risk. C, move completely out of stocks. Uh... B, start dialing down your risk. Yes, correct. Yeah. Final question. You own 20 mutual funds, so you figure you're well diversified. A, absolutely. B, not so fast. Uh, not so fast. As, as we always talk about in our live show, owning lots of different assets doesn't mean you're actually diversified if the risk is the same for all of them. Exactly. Just because you own a lot of funds doesn't mean you're well diversified. Check your funds for overlapping investments. There you go, Ren. 10 out of 10. There you go. Which was the other one you got wrong? What a surprise. Uh, it was one of the f- first ones. I can't remember. Uh, you d- just don't have as good at instincts as me, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good on you. 10 out of 10. So, Thanks, mate. That's I, my little surprise. I was surprised. <laughs> there you go. I... Um, I Guess I can add quickly add to some of the things that we've been watching your and it kind of flows into actually your view now on on looking at LICs and and that sort of thing. So in I obviously am a big fan of Vanguard as you know. Yeah. And so I'm always keeping an eye on on what they're doing and over the last week or so, maybe a bit longer, they've brought some new funds, new ETS to the table two of them of which are managed funds that you can buy in through the stock exchange. Uh, they're not index funds. So these are actively managed by the Vanguard guys themselves. And, and they're ETFs? And they're ETFs, yeah. yeah. okay. Interesting. Yeah, so one's called the Vanguard Global Minimum Volatility Active ETF. It's a managed fund. Its aim is to invest in global equities, including Australian equity securities, with the objective of providing lower volatility relative to the global equity market. To reduce volatility, they construct a portfolio considering the risk and diversification characteristics of all the securities, and then they hedge against currency and, and that sort of stuff. So that could can, be one you could look at. Right? Can, I, can I just ask, um, 
and this might spark, this might be a too big a discussion, but why is low volatility really something that is like the the hallmark of a fund? Maybe there's just investor demand for a low volatility minimum volatility ETF and that's the product they've created. Well, there's clearly demand because they've made it, but I, I just don't because you know when people talk about like alpha and beta as well, like alpha being outsized returns and then beta being a measure of risk and then but beta is just volatility and now this one is you know about minimum volatility i just don't understand why that's attractive people are so hung up on like the day-to-day fluctuations in price like i feel it's a maybe i'm missing something but i feel like it's a not something to worry about yeah like they're they're focusing on the wrong thing yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I can't really answer why someone would go for that. It's yeah. not a very attractive ETF for me, to be honest. Especially in an an ETF where it's holding lots of stocks, you, you would assume that volatility is smoothed out by the number of holdings anyway. Mm. What I'm trying to say is I don't think ETF volatility is a really a huge problem that this fund needs it's to addressing. solve. Yeah, but I'm interested yeah. if the people out there are really attracted to a minimum volatility ETF. Like maybe as you're getting closer to retirement, then you start looking at low volatility products because you can't deal with the you know the loss of capital. But mm. still, I just I just don't understand it. Like the mm. a, it's not like mm. the ASX 200 ETF is massively volatile. Volatile, yeah. No, I, I yeah. Anyway, Who knows, that's, we should ask Vanguard. We should. If anyone from Vanguard's listening, come jump on the show. Let's discuss. So two more, two quick ones. They've released an ethically conscious international shares index fund. So this is an index fund. And as it says in the name, it provides exposure to the world's largest companies listed in major developed companies. Um, pretty broadly diversified, excluding companies with significant business activities in fossil fuels, alcohol, tobacco, gambling, weapons, firearms, etc. So that's another one they've released. Um, pretty high demand and sort of sort of product based on especially what beta shares have been saying. And then another managed fund, Ren, is their Vanguard Global Value Equity Active ETF, which seeks to provide long-term capital appreciation through an active approach investing in global securities demonstrating value characteristics. So if you're a value investor out there and want to put your money with Vanguard um, and let the pros do it, then that would be one to look in. Yeah. It might mm. be worth, maybe not in this episode, but in another episode, discussing the difference between an actively managed ETF and a listed investment company. Yep, absolutely. Because, so, yeah, I just don't... I mean, I get it. Like, ETFs are all the rage and... They're, they're growing and there's obviously demand in a lot of different areas for a lot of different things, but I'm surprised that active managed, actively managed ATFs are so becoming so popular. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'd like to know why, why that over like a Vanguard LIC? Well, they don't have LICs. But you could create one. A va- Vanguard could. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah, that would be this is their equivalent, right? I guess. I guess there's probably for these companies there's different like regulatory requirements if they're just creating a fund rather than creating a separate company. 
mm. that's listing because mm. then there's listing rules for the LIC. Mm. Anyway. Anyway, interesting. We should try and get someone from Vanguard on to chat through it. Man, we're talking all things ETF. I feel like we're... I know, I know. I kind of don't like it, you know. We, we're we equity mates, but our, we've been, oh God. you know, we should be ETF mates if we keep doing this. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, we're going to anyway, have a... so we're going to have to wrap it up there. I was about to say we're going to ha- we're gonna do an ETF-free episode next, but um, um with next episode is our last of the month. So if we get asked questions about ETFs, you know, ask us anything episode, then have to we're going to have to answer them. Yeah. So... Let's keep track of your your endeavor to find some managed funds and still keep your costs low. And uh, if anyone is interested in those Vanguard ETFs or active managed funds, then head across to their website and check it out. Uh, you can find them on the ASX. And maybe we can use our platform. If, any, if anyone works for any of these listed investment companies and wants to come on and make their case for their fund... Uh, yeah, our, our door's open. Just give us yeah. a call, shoot us an email. Um, we'll, Ren's wallet is heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll have that something. conversation live on air. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. All right, Ren, we'll let's uh, leave, it, leave it there. Always good to chat and we'll, uh, we'll talk next week. Okay. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Take with the mind.